Welcome back to the Helihead Show. This is episode 102. I am your host, Skids, and we've got Gooch here. Hello, my friends. We've got Cholo here. Hey, everybody. And we've got the legendary Bert Cameron. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. All right. Diamante, did we lose him already? Where's he at? Man, Gone, but know. not forgotten. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's probably probably went to Urcha early. Yeah. He forgot it's going to be next week. <laughs> or this week. <laughs> you know? Is he practicing? Oh, he's practicing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's looking to steal some more stuff. Uh, you know? Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's, going, he's going for the win. Oh He's going uh, shit. Win, man. I think we just opened we just unpacked something. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. What is it? I don't know. Well, you have mm. to talk to Chris about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just it's, anybody mm. that sees him, ask him about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. What is he trying to win? Yeah. Hey, I heard you stole something. What'd you steal? Mm-hmm. We'll see what he yeah. answers. Right? It'll be good to see the kind mm-hmm. of answers he gives. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not uh, with us. Maybe nope, he comes in. But we Bert don't know. is. We'll see. Yeah. See yep. how easily you can be replaced. Like yep. that. Uh-huh. Just like that, Diamante. Tiny. That was that was intentional, wasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just leave him out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's actually on hold right now. He's trying to get in. We're not letting him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys. Guys, what's the password? <laughs> I dialed in. I dialed. <laughs> um, oh, either man. way, we're going to have a great show, though, right? We have some cool things to talk about, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I know Chris yeah. is happy. Finally, mm-hmm. one of his uh, people finally released something new. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about that. Okay. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, then we're gonna talk mm-hmm. some servo, some programming, right? We're gonna I go through so. some. Yeah, yeah. Well, Absolutely. I mean, Bert, you, you, you kind of approached us. You know, we talked about this what months ago, didn't we? Yeah, we talked about this a while back, and we never got around to getting it done. So yeah, yeah. it's a good, good time, good time. He, he would message us and be like, "When am I coming on?" And then we'd be like, <laughs> "Hold him off one more show." And he'd be like, "Hey, when <laughs> well, am I coming somebody- on?" We'd be like, "Hold him off one more show." <laughs> Well, somebody from another podcast also recommended that I come to this podcast. So I think uh, that's why I started asking you guys, hey, let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, so, yeah. how about that? Yeah. 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 It's anyway. safe over here. Just yeah. saying. I'm uh, I'm excited to talk about servo programming. Seriously. I'm, I'm joking yeah. aside. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Lots of questions. It's almost like people don't like the information is so spread out and so scattered that. I think a lot of people really either don't understand everything or don't uh, or miss something or you know what I mean. So, yeah, it's a good opportunity to talk about it. Awesome. It's a lot of information to take in to understand. So to have it in here is nice to have it giving you you given the information. It's good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's kick it off. Let's get through these weeks and let's get to the good stuff, shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. Do All it. right. Thank you to everyone for downloading and streaming and listening to our podcast. We certainly do appreciate each and every one of you. Tiny, you're not here. Apparently, he 
I'm not going to read that. Uh, Gooch, why don't you uh, go ahead and kick it off? All right. So weeks this is, huh? Um, Let's do it. Actually, uh, this past weekend, um, that before the recording, I didn't do anything really heavy related. Um, I actually took my daughter out to like one of those Yogi Bear camping grounds. Nice. So got to do that. But since then, I came back, did some work, actually work work, um, and then I start messing around with that Tri-Blade Nitro. Mm. So the Tri-Nasty Nitro is in the works, and I had to rebuild it. I bought a used 120. It was, it was spent, but I was able to rebuild it. I actually had bought new, you know, some new parts, but it was, I had two motors that I bought. One was in parts, one was fully built. The one that was spent was fully built. Put it to the side, I rebuilt it, all right? And I made a small, you know, mistake when I rebuilt it is I did not seat that front bearing just right. So it was kind of the crank was dragging in the bearings. So I got to fly it and it, it, Kinda, it had the power, but it was just not running right. It was overheating, so I rebuilt, I reseated that front bearing. It's a lot happier, but I am fighting the YS120 ghosts right now. The baggage, as I call it, that motor it could be filthy rich in the mid, and I'm already like four and a half clicks out on the um, on the high needle. And when I give it the business, that thing will le- starts leaning out, not full lean. When it's are just- you gonna? When are you gonna give up on that stuff? When? Thank you. When? We just <laughs> I, I am telling you. Like, yes. I am telling you guys. When you guys see this one twenty ripping in the three blade, the one and, it's, it, and it looks. Who cares? Yeah, but it don't. But the problem is it's it does that one flight out of seventy four. So we're never gonna <laughs> I'm see okay it. With that. I'm it'll okay be with like that. a Sunday yeah. When that three blade is like it's an electric but is running on nitro, it don't matter if it's one flight, two flights, or fifty, it puts a smile on your face. Mm. It's but that's like when like if a bear shits in the woods and no one's there to see it, did it really happen? Well, I'd rather have. I'd rather wait yeah. for the one flight. I'm patient, you know. Yeah. Because I would rather have that one glorious flight than like ten OS shitty flights. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> what? Yeah. Whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm getting it. Hopefully, I'm gonna try some some magic, some dark voodoo magic. And I'm hoping that I could get it to not lean out, um, on, in, on the higher head speed when I give it, you know, a lot of collective and I start asking it for more, but I think we're close. We just need to do some adjustments and that will be next to the tri nasty electric at Urcha. I'm going to try to bring both those out and, uh, hopefully we have some fun with them. So that's kind of what I've been working. And as far as kind of leading up to to Urcha, you know, nice. getting ready. Um, I know this episode will release uh, the week of Urcha. You know, yep. most of us will be getting ready or some already there. So um, got to pack the camper, 
you know, Bert gave me some to-do things to bring with me. Um, so we'll make it all happen. Did and, uh, yep. Did yeah, that, that <laughs> 10 by 10 tent, you know, I got to bring that. I better bring that, you know. So and you have, need a generator too, dude. Sorry about that. Yep. You need a generator. No, hmm. It's all good. I tried. Bring it. I tried. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We need well, to make we'll sure that it. somebody at Urcha takes Gucci to that fusion Asian place, the Hibachi. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's okay. I got he my loves own that bathroom, place. Dude. I got my own bathroom. <laughs> own Good, bathroom. I'm safe. <laughs> you know? Before uh, I go, I'm going to make sure I lock it so ain't mm. nobody going into that camper till mm. I come. I so. lock mine. I don't care. I love you mm. guys, but I'm locking my camper. I'm not stupid. <laughs> so yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Slowly getting ready for Urcha, messing around with some nitro. You know, it's that love-hate relationship with nitros. But we'll get it there. But that's about it for me. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cholo, you want to go? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Uh, pretty much this week, I, besides normal work, working and stuff like that, I've been working out. Kevin and Ben were nice enough to send me, because I've talked to them a bunch of times about the nitro raw HD conversion. So I've been working on that, getting that everything, getting ready for that to have the HD conversion, give that a try. And then uh, cleaned out the hobby room to get ready, working on that. And hopefully I'll have it done this weekend so I can fly it in my part of town, not Urcha. Yeah. I'm glad you're able to get that thing going. You've been talking about it for a long time. so uh, It's uh, Mud Dauber's coming back. (laughs) Dirt Dauber is making a comeback. Sweet. Mm Oh boy. I love it. Yeah. I'm sure that helicopter is thanking you, Cholo. It, yeah, it probably is. is. Probably is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just yeah, shed it, all the dirt off. It was like, <sighs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, that's interesting. You're going to have it flying right about the same time that it stopped flying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hex One year anniversary. Hex. Yeah. 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 So you're bringing it to Hex yeah. then. I need to get a pull on that. I need to get a pull on that, dude. I want to try yeah, that. Thing. No. Yeah. I'll I'll have it ready for you. I'll have I'll have mine with an a YS in it. Yeah, you you can have a pull on that too. No, so. no thank you. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. No need. No need. No need. All right, right on. Well, mm. what else you got, Chris? Anything? No, that's pretty much it. Just uh, yeah. working on that and working and cleaning out the hobby room and getting ready for this weekend. Awesome! I can't wait to see it. Is it going to be orange, or you got the... Um, I'm going to do the Puma Canopy. Oh, okay. I have a yellow boom, because that's just what I have. And so it's going to be like 15 colors, but it'll fly. (laughs) Right on. Green side. But the original Puma Canopy would match match a little bit, wouldn't it? The Puma Canopy with a yellow boom? Eh, Kind of. It it doesn't look bad. it, It definitely can tell it's not the orange boom, but... Because the, yeah. the orange flows real well with it, but the yellow doesn't look bad at all. Like, I think it's a cool option. Yeah. It'll probably look better than the yellow boom on my uh, 580. Because it's a lot, you know, it's brighter and the canopy on the Puma is a lot brighter. Yeah. Because of the, those flat colors. So I think it'd be good. Uh, like it'll it. it'll, it'll look good. I'm, I'm excited. It's cool. it's kind of fun because it's a bunch of just random stuff to put it all together. So it's the lower frames have like green stickers on one side, and <laughs> uh, it'll be it'll be a fun machine to try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bert, do you want me to go since I don't have a lot to talk about, and then you can talk about what you've been up to, and 
then you can kind of maybe share with, you know, what you're bringing to Urcha and all that stuff. What you think? Sure. All sure. Right. Go for it. All right. So here we go. Uh, after Ohio Heli Throwdown, uh, I haven't done a whole lot of anything. Uh, I did get out one weekend and flew. I got three tanks in. Uh, I was talking to Tom Shin the entire time. And really and truly, it was just simply to pass oil over the bearings in the in the motors, man. That was all the only reason I was out there. And um, so, uh, cover your ears, Bert. I flew uh, the Nitron 90 twice. And uh, it's, uh, it's not bad. Uh, oh, so, yeah. So, the problem I was having. So, when <laughs> the joke that was going around at Spring Fling where Todd was like, I can't fly this thing. It, it's, it, it doesn't even hover right. Like, it, it doesn't pyro. Oh, yeah. You know, the whole deal. Um, so, I ended up getting some of those Lynx cases in. And I changed uh, the Neo board into one of those. And it is solid now. So, that is a great thing. So... Uh, it does have a 91.3DS um, YS in it. It has the original YS carb on it. And uh, it's it's getting better. Um, I, I just, I, I need somebody like Tom to kind of help give me the ropes on that one. Um, however, the Black Nitro, which has the uh, OS carb on it, non-reg, because regulators are shit, Bert, um, it flies amazing. Interesting. I never said regulators are sh- uh, are great. I I'm not a fan, to be yeah. honest. I'm not. Do you like muffler um, pressure I better? Used to, well, it depends on the depends on the motor, though. Like yeah. some motors actually like that. I've had motors that certain. I'm not saying like individual motor, but like certain m- models of motors, right? Okay. That actually run great with muffler pressure and others don't so i mean i remember when a line released their 700 nitro the original one back in 2008 um a rebranded the os 91 h was it the night yeah it was the 91 hc i forgot what exact model it was um but they sent me one that had just had no regulator i think the rebranded os align uh engine had no regulator and it worked great. It worked awesome. It really yeah. did. So, yeah. I mean, it tends to get a little leaner towards the end of the tank, but I mean, so what? It, you know, you yeah. run it just the tat rich in the beginning and no big deal. So, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I am, obviously I've flown OS a long time and it definitely makes tuning the 91 SRX that's in the black nitro uh, a lot easier, but I just started to run into a lot of problems with the regulator, so I eliminated that from the problem, and it eliminates the need for um, uh, the uh, uh, what are they called? Shit. The check valve. Check, check valve. Valves. Thank you. Uh, and so it eliminates the need for that, and it's yeah, it's just fuel fly, fuel fly. It's freaking great. I love it. So um, so I don't know. Maybe I'll end up doing something like that with the uh, the Tri ninety as well, and maybe just kind of cut the cut out the headaches. But um, anyway, that's all I did. I just went out there really just to fly those so that, uh, you know, they just weren't sitting. And um, and I need to do that probably another time before Hex. And that will be my next fun fly. So, but that is all I've been up to. It's just been work and more work. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been crazy. So but no anyway. Urcha for you, huh? No Urcha for this guy this time. Sorry, Eric. 
Um, <laughs> I've heard you're gonna you're gonna have two new best friends, and that's okay. I'll forgive you. <laughs> but he'll come um, running back. Don't yeah, worry. I well, you know, so we'll see. But at any rate, Bert, what have you been up to? Uh, another typical week. So, um, I actually started flying again as of probably two to three weeks ago. Um, since I got the 500, um, pre-production or I guess it's a hybrid. It's not a prototype, but it's production. Okay. Um, so I started flying again cause I hadn't flown in a while because the day to day grind just kind of takes it out of me to be honest. But uh, so I did quite a bit of flying um, over the last week and um, just the usual day to day stuff. And then, um, of course, getting ready for Urcha, you know, um, as most people know, we're a pretty tiny little business. So it it takes we don't you don't have 50 people that can help getting ready for an event. So it takes a lot of takes a lot of work to try to keep up with the daily routine. And on top of that um work on some stuff related to the 500 release and then on top of that get ready for urcha so um it's been a pretty busy week so normally i don't look forward to going to urcha but i'm because it's always you know it's just such a long drive and uh you know it's such a commercialized event i'd rather go to a smaller event and hang with people and have more of a one-on-one time but this year i'm kind of looking forward to it because i haven't really gone to an event this year other than uh frank's event in miami you know so um i couldn't make it to spring fling i you know i haven't really gone anywhere so i'm really looking forward to urcha um so so just getting ready for that and a bunch of stuff that goes along with that and uh um that goes along also with the 500 because as of the time of uh the release of this episode pre-orders will be open so I've nice. um, been working on getting all that set up on the website and getting figuring out a bunch of stuff related to that and dealer orders and things like that. So, um, but uh, yeah, other than that, that's about it. Like uh, we had a big problem with our previous vehicle. So we had to go vehicle shopping like two weeks ago. And that was not a fun experience. It's ne- never is. I'm never not going to disclose what vehicle I purchased, but people will know sooner than later. <laughs> um, all I can say is that they're actually pretty economical because they have like a huge tax incentive nowadays. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm kind of like, yeah, it's a huge tax credit, which is really cool. And we kind of need that this year because things are a little bit slow. But um, so are you voting Democratic now, Bert? <laughs> no, not at all. Absolutely not. But I'm also not voting Republican. I don't vote anyway. I vote for the guy that has the policies that I like. So that makes sense. That's um, a good unbiased yeah. way to yes. go about it. I'm I wish not, everyone yeah, thought that yeah, way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that we get trapped in. The red I'm toy. right down the middle. To be, honest. I'm right down the middle. I literally am right down the middle. Probably more to the right than the left, but I'm right down the middle. Some mm-hmm. things I'm extremely Republican, and some things I'm extremely Democrat. So, I'm really not a good uh, candidate to talk politics because I will agree on with one side and agree with the other side and disagree wholeheartedly with both sides. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right. And why are you politicizing a vehicle, Gucci? <laughs> <laughs> Well, well who's giving you that tax incentive? Hmm. Hmm? Yeah. Um, actually, I think it passed. I think it passed uh, 
Was it both uh, sides that pretty, supported that one? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think so. I'm okay. pretty sure. Based on what I read. Fair. Yeah. I take back my comment. It's still going to take you like 50 hours to get there. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you what a friend told me a long time ago, except I had a gas, I had a 454 in a truck, and basically this, he wanted to make me a sticker that said, I pass everything except gas stations. And, <laughs> and so I'm going to get you a sticker that says, I pass everything except charge stations. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to suck. You know, it's really going to suck. But uh, we we kind of had to do it. Because uh, we had a major issue with our previous car, and it was a year past the warranty, and it was going to cost a lot of money, um, money that we just didn't have to throw away. So it was easier just to trade it and, like, you know, Makes keep sense. a freaking monthly payment for another five years. What can yeah. I say? Mm-hmm. It's all good. Yeah, That's everybody's struggle nowadays. I'll tell you what. That's, it's yeah. all good. Yeah. It's all yep. good. But um, – but no, I mean, I think for daily driving for like around home, I think it's awesome. Right. That you don't have to ever go to a gas station. But mm-hmm. for, um, yeah, but I, I do agree for trips. I'm not so sure. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. I'll fill you guys in on the trip. It'll be interesting. Did you go with it's the li- Did you go with the Y or the X or an S? No, uh, I went. I went with the Y. Did and you? Uh, okay, they, I like that yeah, one. and like. Yeah, and pretty base model though. Like, I mean, they go pretty high, but they start at like low forties, and then you get like almost day grand tax credit. So, Damn I mean, it's not bad. Feel, Dude. Yeah, seventy five hundred dollars, and it, it's a full credit. It's not. It's not a deduction. So, yeah. Hmm. So yeah, it, it's a pretty good deal actually. Um, so, wow. Yeah, that we'll works. see. Hopefully, hopefully okay. it'll last us longer than the previous one. So. So let's talk a little bit about you going to Urcha because obviously you're you're bringing BK Hobbies to Urcha. What uh, what you're bringing with you? Anything or is it uh, what what's your plan? So the plan is we're setting up a tent and we're going as SAB USA BK Hobbies uh, Theta USA um, and Hobby Wing is joining us this year. So we're Ooh. all sharing a tent. Yeah. And of course, with that, you know, we're representing all the other brands that are exclusives to us. But those are the primary brands that are sponsoring Urcha uh, formally. Right. And uh, so we're setting up a booth. We're going to share it with uh, the Hobby Wing guys. And uh, yeah, so we're going to do seminars. It's going to be pretty cool. Like I got roped into doing a seminar about the Raw 500. Okay. Um, Hobby Wing is doing a seminar. uh, about the new 260, um, mm-hmm. which I'm sure we're going to talk about later. And uh, uh, what else? Uh, I think uh, I'm doing either me or me with Kenny Co. or just Kenny Co. Well, he'll need a little bit of help. Uh, um, so he's not doing it by himself. We'll do a seminar about Theta Servos as well at Urcha. That's so awesome. lots of action, like busy times, three seminars. We have demos, and then we're giving away. A roll five hundred on Saturday. So oh, wow. what? That'll be That's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah, awesome. just just like last year. Last year we gave away a four twenty, yep. and this year SAB timed the release around Urza time. So we're doing uh, we're doing the uh, giveaway for the five hundred. And you know, as always, Hobby Wang, they're pretty generous. They're going to be giving away yeah. a bunch of stuff. We also have like some servos to give away um ex nova motors like all kinds mm. of stuff so it's it's gonna be a busy 
busy, busy, action-packed weekend. So, yeah. Um, so, so the people that are not going are losers. <laughs> Thanks, Bert. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't yeah. directed towards you. That was in general, dude. <laughs> but it applies. <laughs> but it applies. <laughs> <laughs> but it applies. Uh, ouch. Uh, no, I, I you know, win, man, so. I'm I'm actually really excited but, to hear that. I didn't know that you were going to be doing seminars. Um, that mm-hmm. that's exciting because that's part. Well, so there might be a group of people that disagree, and it might be the older generation. I'm not sure, but. Urcha, as I think I've mentioned many a times before, it, it, for me it's it's it was cooler when it was a trade show, and when you do have those you know seminars where you can kind of brush shoulders with the brands and you know get to know the people behind them and you know things like that. Like having it just you know people show up and doing a battle of the brands and doing a night show or whatever, and then the rest of the time you're just hanging with your buddies. Like n- no offense to anyone, but I can do that anywhere, right? So. I, I like the no, idea I, that it's coming back, maybe, hopefully, where they are kind of bringing that trade show aspect, right? A hundred percent with you. Like, uh, you know, from a vendor perspective, I mean, for me, it's more fun to go to a smaller event, of course. But from a pilot, you know, an ev- a regular pilot's perspective, I, I agree with you. Like, why would I want to drive or go so far away? to the middle of nowhere in the Midwest US where all I can see is cornfields mm-hmm. and pay $100 to register for an event and 100 plus 150 bucks or whatever for a hotel night or you know or drive my camper which costs equally a lot of money with fuel or diesel whatever sure. when all I'm going to do is go fly like I would in my backyard event you know or somewhere right. within you know right. a couple hours right yeah. so Unfortunately, I just don't think that there's enough. I I don't think that the hobby um, is big enough in this particular moment to warrant or justify vendors investing a lot of time and effort to bring displays and product to sell and things like that. Mm-hmm. With the exception of Heli Direct, and the reason I say that is because they're right there. They're, they're within right there, thirty sure. minutes of yeah. Mm-hmm. They're within thirty minutes, so it's very easy for them to set up shop there at the at Urcha, right? Absolutely. But for an, anybody else, for any company, whether it is Scorpion Power Systems or Mikado USA or you know BK Hobbies or A Main Hobbies or anybody else for that matter, it's a huge undertaking and a huge expense to go there and set up full shop or full you know whether it is to sell. Yeah or to display or have something that looks like a true trade show um, when there's really very little coming back um, or to to recoup that investment, right? Because yeah, yeah. there's not a whole lot of everyday pilots at Urcha. Most of the people are either sponsored or connected to a sponsor in one way or another. I'm not saying there's no regular pilots. There is. But it, the numbers are not like nowhere near what they used to be, like, say, 10 years ago, right? Sure, I get so, that. Yeah, yeah. But seminars are a good way to do that relatively cheaply, right? So, mm-hmm. so I agree. It's a good. It's a good starting point, and I think there's things that Urcha, as an organization, leaving all the political things aside, can do to improve itself and allow those vendors to make it more of a trade show without having to spend a fortune to do so, right? right? right. And I think that's that's the direction that I'd like to see Urcha as a whole move towards um and if they they do that even if slowly i think they can capture a a lot they can get a lot more people to show up yeah um 
because for sure, I mean, if I, you know, if I buy a set of Theta servos and, you know, I, I see Kenny Co doing a seminar at Urcha and I can ask Kenny Co in person, the guy that has his name on the box of a certain type of servo, like questions about that servo, of course, I'm going to be motivated to go there and like ask them those questions. Right. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of value in that. So. Yeah. And potentially yeah. go and get on your phone right after the seminar or and buy a set if that's what you want to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. walk away knowing, you know, what my problem was or why I was confused about this or that. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Makes yeah. It, yeah. yeah. That's the right step, right? To ever be able to hope to be, you know, bring it back, you know, yeah. to a, it's just, a I worthy mean, point. I mean, I, I recognize that it's more or less a loss for a lot of the people who are, you know, demonstrating there, right? You know, bringing hobby shops or, or product mm -hmm. to the location. Um, but I, I can't help but think that it also, on the back it's end for the rest of the year or till next Urcha, if people can put their hands on things, I remember when Futaba was, I was flying Futaba before I left the hobby in 2014. And to be able to go and actually put my hands on some of the radios to see switch spacing and how it felt, or if it was quad bearing or dual bearing, you know what I mean? Like all these things and, you know, be able to turn it on and look at it. And, you know, those things are, are, <sighs> I think they're important, you know, me it personally, but I do get that it, it comes at a huge cost, you know, mm -hmm. it, so. it does come at a huge, huge cost, but I, I agree with you, dude. I mean, we're in an era where, uh, the brick and mortar shop is yeah. turned into a toy, toy store. Yeah. And so we really can't go, you know, it, it's, it's like, you know, if you don't belong to a flying club, or, you know, I mean, how do you even get a hold of a V-bar if, if you're the guy that flies, you know, in this pre predominant, uh, let's say, airplane, you know, field uh, spectrum radio and you're interested in a V-bar? How would you ever touch one and see one? You just can't. How? Mm -hmm. You know, unless yeah. and especially if you live in, uh, I don't know, anywhere, uh, California, what are you going to do? Are you going to drive to Mikado, USA in southern South Florida yeah. to touch one? I mean, it's, you know, and it's, it's true. It's, it's it, it, maybe certain brands are more uh, prone to be uh, suitable for different disciplines within the hobby, like airplanes, cars, helis. But um, but like, for instance, that's the classic example of V control. How would you ever get your hands on one if you fly in this little field in Tennessee with a bunch of plane guys and they all have Futaba Spectrum and 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 Fry, Fry Sky or whatever else? You can't. So I agree. These right. trade shows, a, a trade show type event is is I mean, and it should be a combination of educational things and entertainment right. and and shopping and you know the whole show, right? Food. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it all it. Yeah, should be a big fair, basically. I yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine being able to go there and you've just gotten your V control touch or something and and having somebody there be able to throw what's on the screen on the radio like onto a large screen and and have people be able to like walk you through how to do things and you know what I mean? Like and I mean that I don't know how much of a cost that would incur, you know, to to do something like that. But it's not like you're bringing, you know, ten thousand dollars in product. You're just bringing a radio in some way to project what you have. Yeah. But, the, but that knowledge is forever, right? You know, being able to share that with people, and mm -hmm. you know, 
I mean, Lord knows. I mean, I we can tell you that the the two shows we did on V Bar are our highest grossing and download. So, you know, it you obviously it's 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 valuable. You know what I mean? And um, so yeah, anyway, it is. I'm just Certainly. I'm just saying I think it's great that it's moving back towards that because that was what made Urcha special to me ten years ago was being able to see who was behind the products and being able to touch things and talk to people and you know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Super excited. I'm ready. Yeah. So good for you. That's awesome. Um, but uh, let's see. Who else did we get? Leave everybody out? Oh, yeah, that's right. Diamond's not here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So who's going to do it? Chris, I think it's you. I guess we'll see. What's popping? What's popping? Ooh, what we got, buddy? Yeah. Well, we, we kind of already touched on two of them, but we'll do a, a better description. So yeah, I'll let Cholo, Cholo, hit us with the first one because you are all up in that. You the really new talk about Hobby it. Wing 260 that's coming out. What? Which, yep. It's going to have the new V5 software already on it. Okay. It's going to be, it's also the new BEC, which is going to be 12 volts. Max. Up to up, up to twelve to, volts. Yeah, yep. up to twelve mm-hmm. volts at thirty amps, Ooh. and then it's going to have a peak amp of four hundred amps, and it's going to okay. be roughly around four ninety nine, give or take. Yeah, I give like or take it. a little bit. And so, but yeah, it's it's the same size. It's going to be a new case design. Um, okay. it's it's pretty much going to be taking over, from what I understand, taking over the two hundred spot. Okay. Chris, I think it's it's four ninety nine ninety nine is set in stone as of right now. Okay, I am okay. I am ninety nine percent sure that it's four ninety nine ninety nine. So it's ten dollars more than the two hundred, which is really not a drastic price increase. So, no, but that's very competitive with a three hundred amp Scorpion, <laughs> the Tribunus three hundred amp, because that's way more than four ninety nine ninety nine. Is so it? what's it? Yeah, what's that sticker debt. Like over six hundred, I believe. Oh, really? Oof. Yeah. So it's it's super competitive, pretty much right there. Like I would have no problem really taking that and putting it on my Trinasty Electric, the fourteen S one. I think it's gonna be just it'll be perfect, and it comes in at a bargain for four ninety nine ninety nine. So That's true. It, super super excited about that one. I think I might have to uh, do some some trying out. Mm-hmm. And you can get that at BK Hobbies? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you can order it right now. Well, pre-order it. So. Pre-order it. Okay. That's pre-order awesome. It, yeah. So, talking about pre-ordering, as of the release of this episode, which should be around Monday, Urcha Week, what else are we going to have that's going to be on pre-order, Bert? The all-new Goblin Raw 500. Man, so we're pushing. Yeah, I think a lot of people are because I know a lot of people are already like signing up for the the giveaway at Urcha. <laughs> and so, uh, and I want to talk briefly about this, Gooch, if you will allow yeah. me, or yeah. you want to start. You start, and no. I'll fill in the blank. So if, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Bert. You you wow. Well, I just want to. Well, I was just going to say it's obviously the latest design from SAB. No no question mm-hmm. about it. It does look like a um, sort of a 420 blended in with the Puma uh, in terms of like its design characteristics, 
um, the canopy is more like the Puma style design or the 580 style design mm -hmm. where it doesn't have that open open end, right? right. Um, mm -hmm. But the beauty of this is that the battery loads from the back of the helicopter. Yes. So you don't ever, you don't have to remove the canopy to insert and remove the battery. Now, how do you get around connecting the battery? Well, it comes with its own SAB's proprietary quick release connector, similar to the 420, but much more improved, uh, much easier to work with because it's a much larger connector. It uses four and a half millimeter bullets instead of, uh, I don't remember what the 420 used, but much smaller. This is much larger, so it's easier to work with it and set it all up. Um, um, and of course, it's easier to insert, remove the battery because of it. And it has some really cool features, like uh, it has this belt tensioning feature that shows you how much tension you're putting in the belt. Yeah, and okay. it shows like a, a scale um, from zero to like minus four and then plus four, where like the minus side, I believe, if I, I might be wrong on this because I don't have it in front of me, but I think the negative side is, is too loose, positive side is too tight, something like that. And you can find your own adjustment based on your type of flying and everything else. Um, it is designed around a special type of motor because the gear ratio is a little unconventional for a 500 size machine. So it needs a motor with a KV ranging between 800 and 900, uh, okay. with a can size ranging between 4015 and 4020. So 40, 40, 20, 900 being probably one of the most ideal motors. I think Scorpion is releasing a 4020 or 4020 or 4015, 850. Um, yep. I heard Eagle Drift is working on one as well. So um, I can't talk for the other manufacturers, but I know that Xnova is going to have the motor available um, as of the date of the helicopter release or maybe a week ahead of time. So okay. we're taking pre-orders for the motor as well. So if you order a kit and a motor, both will get shipped to you at the same time. Um, it's designed for mini servos. So the traditional mini, there's really no mini standard, but because mini is kind of a weird servo, but um, some manufacturers make them bigger than others, but it's the standard is 35 millimeters. So it'll fit probably 99% of all mini servos on the market. The tail is also designed for a mini servo. The tail servo is mounted on the boom, which I kind of like because mm -hmm. um, it, it, based on my experience, unless you really put it in really, really hard, 90% or maybe 60% of the time when you crash and you have a, a, a boom mounted tail servo, you're not going to break the tail push rod. I do like mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah. You just got to make the necessary, you have to be cautious to not rip your servo wire right so you just mm. set up some sort of extension or something mm -hmm. so it unplugs instead of get you know ripped um mm. what else is relevant battery size 6s ranging from well sab recommends between 3300 and 3700 but honestly anything between 3000 and up to i would say 4500 would work and mm. if you look at the website whether it is our website, bkhobbies.com or sabusa.com or the, the Goblin website, you will find the specifications for the dimensions, sorry, for the battery compartment. So you can kind of pick and choose your 6S that you'd like to run. Oh, nice. I've flown it with batteries as heavy as 700 plus grams, and it still feels good. It's a pretty light machine, much lighter in comparison to what, uh, what the original 500 used to be. Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, they're rated to flight weight, usually without the batteries, like 1.8 kilos, so 1,800 grams or so. So it's pretty freaking light. Um, so let me let me stop you for a second since you made that comparison, because I know a lot of people are going to wonder, is how does it compare to the previous Goblin 500, which, as we know, was a fused helicopter versus this raw-style 500? Um, it's no different than flying. It's very similar to flying like an old Goblin 700, like, um, I don't know, like Thunder Sporter, Th Black Thunder, and then flying a raw 700. It feels kind of like that. It just feels, feels a little bit more locked in. It feels lighter. It's a little bit more nimble. It's just that, you know, I, the typical advantages of what you get with you know, a pot and boom design versus the traditional goblin design. But with that said, it's not as visible, right? Because you don't have that big boom. So, sure. I mean, it's just pros and cons. But um, I, I think I think it feels pretty good. I mean, we're going to have a couple at Urcha. We're going to let select people fly them. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, soon, we'll soon get feedback from people and see. But I'm pretty excited about it. I, I mean, SAB, yeah. you know, a lot of people make these jokes about, you know, SAB releasing a helicopter every other week. Well, guess what? Nothing's been released for a year. So um, I think it's about time. Yeah. Yeah. It looks yeah, great, cool. man. I, I'm trying so hard to <laughs> yeah. hold off, man. I know you're going to get it. You're ah, going to get one. Man. No doubt. <laughs> so just, just, uh, to add to that, Bert, let's kind of make it known because I know we kind of already got some of those questions. Is what if somebody wants to fit a forty twenty five in there? What is your take on that? Um, I think it will be too big. Um, okay. And but the issue is not necessarily how big it'll be. Um, I don't think there's a lot of clearance between the top of a forty twenty motor and the canopy. <laughs> but even if you wanted to. The issue is going to be finding a 4025 with the right KV, right? That's yeah. because let me tell you, this machine is wicked. It it'll it'll do on a 900 KV motor at 100% throttle. It'll reach 3500. Yes, and, and that is completely ridiculous in my opinion. It's fun, but it's ridiculous. And your flight time, especially if you're flying a small battery like a 30. 31 32 3300 is going to be pretty crappy you're going to be lucky to get two minutes right so mm -hmm. um so i mean the the best that i found at least for me is to fly it at about 28 to 2900 and that puts my arp my throttle at like somewhere in the neighborhood of like between upper 70s and low 80s in percentage mm -hmm. and uh and it really like it feels really good and you have you have enough, you have a lot of governor headroom, but you're not too low in the percentage to where it starts to become extremely inefficient, right? Yep. Um, and then if you want to go crazy, then crank it up to like 88%, 90%, and you're in the 3,300 range, and it's stupid at that speed. So um, not necessary. I talked to Kyle. He's flying his at like 2,600. I know we used to fly the original Goblin 500 at like 2,750, 2,800 for like full 3D. And and this is a little lighter, so I'm assuming 20, 26, 27 will feel feel similar, to, or 25, 26 will feel similar to flying the old 500 at 
you know, t- uh, 2750 or 28, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, somewhere in there. The big question, yeah. how does it hurricane? <laughs> oh, Jesus. You don't want, you don't want. 3500, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Let's do Pull it. Pull up. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Baby Zilla. <laughs> Baby Zilla. Oh, Baby man. Zilla. Oh, my can God. I, can I make, yeah. So, okay, so the motor, is it a 5 mil shaft or a 6 mil shaft? It's a 6 mil. Okay, so we mm-hmm. could, we could maybe cut the top of the canopy and put a forty twenty five eight thirty and make it eight s. Oh Jesus! <laughs> no, no, you could never do. Actually, I didn't think about the availability of the forty twenty five um, eight thirty. Eight thirty would be a great KV, actually, really good. Because yeah. then you like. Uh, you'd be like, you know, probably in the 90%, 85, 90% range, and you'd be getting the, uh, you know, the 2700 or something like that, right? I, Somewhere. I think that's why some of the people are asking about the 4025, because I don't think 4020 comes in a 800 range KV. It's actually well, it's- over a thousand, right? It's the 4025s that have those 800, 900 KV ranges already so i think that's well, what Xnova, asking about the 425 snova has been xnova um we've discussed making a 40 but it won't be a 4025 or a 4020 it'll be a 4015 mm-hmm. uh, 8 800 mm. which might might be really really sweet for people that are sure. not Right. Yeah. yeah. Non non Kevin's. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <Non Kevin's. laughs> and we're and we're gonna find out because I have one and we're gonna be testing it this coming week. And if it works well, we're gonna bring it to Urcha as well. So we're gonna be Sweet. able to compare the forty fifteen eight hundred versus the forty twenty nine hundred. Okay. Um, I I don't think the heli needs such a big can because it. I mean the it's. The 4020 is unboggable. Like, there's nothing you can do to make it bog. So I think the 4015 will work really well, and it'll be lighter. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll All see. Right. One more question. So I do know when it came to the 420, it had a proprietary blade root size. So on this 500, uh, are we in the same situation, or is it going to allow other manufacturers to produce 500 blade because we haven't seen 500 mil blades in a while i don't think there's some out there i guess but but Mm -hmm. uh is it is it another proprietary deal or or is it uh going to be open to uh other people do you really want to know i mean i i do (laughs) well the answer to your question is yes it'll work with any 500 millimeter blade okay as as long (laughs) as it's a traditional 500 millimeter blade with a 10 millimeter root okay so all right yeah okay. so yeah. that means switch will have a new 503 coming well switch is the good old 503s and there's so many in freaking stock that i can't make a new one until people buy them so i'm hoping people are going to buy some and nice. then um uh, i'm not going to talk about the next switch move but yes there's things in the work for the mm. future with switch i love it sweet but uh we can't we can't divulge a little but <laughs> he just did. He said, "There's things in the future." We got, we got, we got, we got, we got to move some inventory, or the factory will kill me before okay. they let me do anything stupid. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let but me yeah, ask you. Switch, 
Russell. I got a question, though, after that. So Switch 503 will work, Bert? Yes. Yes. Okay. And unfortunately, I don't have absolutely any in stock, but I will have them for the time of the release. And I will, the minute I can get a set on my hands, I'm going to try. Um, I'm going to try them. But as far as the size, the the root size and the length and everything, yes. Then in theory, on on the on paper, they should work fine. So we'll see. Okay. They're going to have, awesome. you know, Switch have a wider core than the SAB5 500. So um, that's going to translate into more lift, probably a little bit more load. So I want to see how they work. But like I said, on paper, they should work just fine. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet, man. Yeah, yeah. And this comes with blades, right? Uh, the SAB 501s, I guess is what they're calling it. Yeah, it comes with 501. Uh, no, I think it's... No, no you got me wondering. Yeah. I, no, I think, it's, I think it's 500s. You got. You might be right. Um, I thought I saw some, but it, maybe it, I, I saw wrong. But uh, no, it's 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 five hundreds. Um, okay. It's S five hundred, and uh, and it comes with the eighty millimeter tails. So okay, Sweet. man, exciting! The thing looks good, yep. dude. It really does. And for the people that think it's going to be available in like orange or green or purple, yep. and they're going to wait till December to buy it, it's not going to happen. I'm saying it right now. Sab told me for a fact. There's no plans to release it in any other color, at least for a year or more. Um, they will, though, have booms and canopies very soon after the release date, or perhaps at the same time of the release, they'll have for sure an orange, and they're looking at a green and a pink and some other colors. Okay. So, uh, so there'll be like spare parts will come. Uh, a little bit sooner than the typical, you know, month wait or month and a half wait after the release. So that's what they've they've said. Perfect. So we hope that that's yeah. that that's the case. Nice, man. Yeah. Nice. And the price for this Butte that everybody I think is going to sell amazing. What is going to mm -hmm. be the price, Bert? Uh, price? The price is not cheap, but what is cheap these days? And uh, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's six hundred and sixty-eight dollars. Okay. So I when I saw the price, I jumped at Enrico's and I said, are you crazy? Like, I feel like it's a little high. And then he sent me this link mm -hmm. for when he released the the raw, the sorry, the original Goblin 500. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Which was like, I'm actually looking at the 640, text. 647? Yeah, it was, it was like. Yeah, he sent me this link and he's like, and this was, um, he says nine years ago, and he sent me this link. I have it here on my computer, 649. And did and it he, come with like, blades? And mm -hmm. I'm looking at, it's still on the Goblin website. Yeah, it used to come with blades. Okay. And it was 649. And he's like, and like, and he's like, you realize how much like the raw materials have increased in nine years? Yeah. He's mm -hmm. like, He's like, in the last three years, two years, they've increased three times more than they increased in the six years prior to that. Wow. So, mm -hmm. so, so it is what it is. I mean, obviously, yep. SAP is making a quality product. You know, it's, it's a lot of the, the stuff is, is made, some of the stuff is made in different parts of the world. It's not like it's all made in China. You know, yep. some stuff's made in Vietnam. They have their, their own in-house factory where they make pretty much almost everything so i mean obviously the cost mm -hmm. is uh you know it's it's a factor so 
But uh, and the market is not where it used to be. If if they knew they could sell five thousand of these, I'm sure they could sell it a little bit less, right? But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. so well, it's all. But they also it's the support that they get long term. You know, like if you look back, you know, the fact is that BK Hobbies SAB still carries parts even for stuff from like eleven years ago. You know. Oh yeah, and I mean, and you guys know, like, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. at BK Hobbies, we get all these requests from all these people, and they, they, in my opinion, I don't mean to sound cocky, but they get great support, right? I mean, we support mm-hmm. all our customers all the time. Like, I know that a lot of the other brands don't have that sort of support network that mm-hmm. we do have, um, and I say we as an SAB. So they get support if there's an issue. They get told there's an issue, and they get sent apart to fix the issue. And yep. you know. If, I mean, it's yeah, there, there's a company back in this whole thing that has an excellent reputation. So yep. and 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 the build experience, uh, not saying this because I'm part of SAB, but it's second to none. I don't I don't think there's I mean, I'll give it to some of these other helis. They've come a long ways. Tron is actually a great heli. After I saw one in person, I was like, this is cool. Um, Excel's come a long way. Nick Maxwell is involved, so he's doing a great job with them. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but when it comes to the build experience and the mm-hmm. fitment and the quality of the parts mm-hmm. in general, I just don't think anything else still to this day can touch a SAB. And that's just, again, I'm not being cocky. I just, I yeah. truly wholeheartedly believe that that mm-hmm. is the case. Yeah. So no, yeah. it's yeah. true. And we we've yeah, we you know, me, Kevin, Cholo, I mean, all of us have built more recent other brands, right? Out of helping people out or whatever, and you know, we kind of yeah. see it all. So it's not, you know, it's kind of just factual, right? So mm-hmm. man, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was the same as you guys when I saw the price. I was like, ooh, God, that's uh that seems steep, but yeah. then, you know, you also have to factor too. Of course, it is coming with blades, just like the previous one did. And it's mm-hmm. only an $18 difference in, like you have mentioned, nine years. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot yeah. less carbon involved, but there's a lot yeah. less, there's less carbon, yeah. you know, yeah. but there's a lot yeah. less yeah. forming involved too. I mean, you had to form the boom and, you know what I mean? They had to to really do different things back then to, to make that carbon boom and blah, blah, blah. But, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, yeah, it, it seems after we talked and Gooch showed me that link too, he's like, well, yeah, we'll check this out. And I was like, Oh shit, it really was six fifty, wasn't it? And, uh, talking about the old one. So and it, to be yeah. honest, I had one and I, I totally, I don't know if I just forgot. I mean, it was, I had it back in when that released and I was like, Oh man, I can't believe it was that much back then. But, Mm-hmm. It kind of adds up. I mean, shipping costs nowadays, you know, and that's the thing is like you could look at it as the shipping is just from SAB to BERT, right, to BK Hobbies mm-hmm. and from BK Hobbies to the customer. But those parts that are not necessarily in-house, they always have to be shipped, right? So if we know that all this the material has to be shipped, so if we know we have increased costs in shipping, it's not just two shipping phases there's multiple shipping phases alone right? oh yeah i so. mean it's like certain parts that sab for example subs out to other de- uh factories because yep. uh, you know it's obvious that they're they don't make everything 100 in-house they have mm-hmm. to pay shipping inbound they have to pay customs fees then mm-hmm. i mean we as distributors have to pay shipping shipping is costing us 80 to 100 dollars for a 700 class kit to bring mm-hmm. to the united states it's just to land it here yeah. So, I mean, everything is it used to cost twenty five dollars before COVID. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, everything has gotten so ridiculously expensive that these prices need to be um, structured in a way to where, mm-hmm. you know, um, everybody throughout the distribution chain can make a little bit of money, right? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. No, so I think that that price is not, it, it might seem high, but it's supported, you know, because of actual costs. So, pretty cool, though. I'm excited. I want one. Yeah. So I want I want you to send me Charlie's and send me one. So two. <laughs> I, I heard I heard Charlie's buying them for everybody. Is that yep. what it was? That's what I heard. Okay. Well, cool. Bird is like, nope. sounds good. Nope. Sounds, I'll think about it. <laughs> oh, but man. yeah, that's all really I had. Um, okay. I mean, I I think both things, the Hobby Wing two sixteen are all five hundred. Um, to me, that's pretty big news. I know people have been asking about the raw 500 for a while and hobby wing. It's that's kind of like a surprise, but it's a good surprise. I think, um, release from them. So that's all I have for what's popping. Hey man, it sounds good. Looking forward mm-hmm. to it. All right. Does anybody have anything what? else to add? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. All right. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. What's up, Big Raw? What battery are you running that three-blade monster of yours? Oh, the Tri-Nasty? Oh, nothing but the best. Maniacs! What type of head speed you running? All the head speed. 2,500, baby. <laughs> Full send. Maniacs! Top-of-the-line battery for RC models look no further than Maniac's batteries. These batteries are designed to provide exceptional power delivery, and with proper current mains allow these batteries to last hundreds of cycles without showing wear. And thanks to their low internal resistance, Maniac's batteries stay cool even under full load. And with a USA service center and a one-year manufacturer's warranty, you can be confident that you're getting a high-quality product that will outlast the competition. Still included is the six-month crash replacement discount. Oh, 30% off MSRP. Give them a try and see for yourself why they're the go-to choice for serious RC modelers. Maniacs! All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, tonight, we have a wonderful show for you guys tonight. We are going to be talking about uh, servo programming. Is that correct? Is that what we're doing tonight? That's what we're doing. Okay, so. sweet. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we have our guy here, Bert, who is also uh, very familiar with servo programming, and uh, we're just going to jump right into this. So, Gooch, if you want to take it over, let's do it. Yeah. So, um, th- like I said earlier, I think this topic really Bert brought up, you know, quite some time ago, and then not necessarily to make it specific to Thetas or to Futaba programming or to Torque programming, but just, you know, kind of see what's out there. Talk uh, potentially. Bert is going to cover some of the programming features that Theta servos have. I'm going to cover a little bit of the Futaba programming of servos because I did actually uh, do some uh, some programming on my old Futaba servos when I had my F3C machine. 
And then we're also going to touch a little bit on the Torque program box because that seems to be like the simplest programming box that's out there available that could be bought today. So um, not going to go too deep into it, just kind of an overview of what Bert uh, experienced with the Theta servos and that programming procedure. And then we'll go into Futaba and Torque. We'll leave that for the last to discuss. So, Bert, I know you kind of had this idea. So what led you to bring up the topic of servo programming? You know, was it questions or what was it? Well, in part, it was questions from general people, pilots and such. But also, I wanted to debunk um, the whole entire theory around the primary reason as to why most people would like to program their servos, which is to be able to use narrowband 760 um, pulse width. So we'll get into that when we're done talking about programming, right? But I think we should cover, we should talk about that for a little bit because I have some important observations to make about that. I think uh, there's a lot of misconception, a lot of misinformation online about uh, the advantages of, uh, you know, uh, running uh, changing your cyclic servos to uh, uh, 760 uh, microseconds uh, of pulse width. And and I think that we should talk about that a little bit. But anyhow, um, it, it all started because of questions and people wanting to know, uh, you know, and this dates back to, you know, uh, maybe even a year or longer ago, you know, why should they program the, ser- the servo? And then um when futaba introduced the cgy 760 or i think the 750 did it already um people were uh you know asking like you know can i do this with like a bk server or you know and then torque released uh their program box and so and then theta released their nfc servos so a lot of people sort of wanted to experiment with the 760 and they had a lot of questions about pros and cons and then there's the whole the whole uh, the whole myth or questions or uh, re, uh, people wanting to change the center on the servos. So I want to talk a little bit about all that stuff um, in general, but we can cover that when we're done talking about programming. Um, don't you agree? I yeah, think so. Let's do it. Yep. All right. So what can you do with a... Uh, what can you program, for example, I'm going to talk about theta because that's my my area of expertise, right? But what can you program, what can you do with a theta servo? So first of all, I want everybody, and we've I think we've talked about this before, and I, I don't know if people just missed it or it's not not been explained right, but first of all, every single theta servo, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be an NFC servo. There's no there's no exceptions to this. Every single Theta servo can be programmed using the Theta program box. Um, doesn't matter if it's the micro model, the Kenico, a- any model, the plastic version, which is the TH THS three ninety eight, I believe it's called. Any any Theta servo can be programmed with the program box. So you don't have to have an Android phone to program the servo. If you have an Android phone and that Android phone has NFC, which some Android phones, by the way, do not have that. But if you do, 
then and you have a theta nfc enabled servo which they'll say it on the back of the case and it's advertised on whomever the website you're purchasing purchasing the theta servo from um shows you'll see that it says nfc uh enable or nfc then you can use your android phone nfc enabled or capable capable and enabled android phone with the theta app to program the servo um but you don't need that you can use the program box with any servo whether any theta servo whether nfc or not um like i said the plastic case one thl 398 the 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 micro servos the the ths 921s the candy coast set of servos um all of them they can be programmed then the program box is 50 bucks basically and it'll get you by uh to program any theta servo you purchase in the future so i wanted to explain that first because i've gotten this question probably a hundred times and i hope that a lot of people download this and listen to it so that they know that this is the case no no need to worry it'll it'll work it's perfectly fine so the other thing i want to talk about is what can you program what can you do with a theta servo i mean there's oh my god like so the primary, <laughs> there's there's so much stuff you can do with a Theta Servo in terms of programming is beyond ridiculous. But I think it's the Servo, the only Servo on the market, and I might be wrong on this, but I wholeheartedly believe it's the Servo that has the most uh, number of programmable options on the market. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of settings that you can um, change on on any Theta Servo. But the, the main reason why most people want to program their servo is because either they want to change the um, the the, pol the the band to narrow narrow band, so they want to go from 15, uh, 1520 to 760, or because they want to simply change the center of the servo. Those are the I feel like those are the two primary reasons as to why people want to program their servos. Right uh -huh. now with uh, I mean, uh, don't you agree, Gooch? Yeah, so th that's really, so to in, in full disclosure, when I use the Futaba programming box on those servos, it was literally for the neutral, which is the servo arm centering feature. That's it, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. do the 760 to 1520. That one itself also, the Futaba program box also has a lot of things, a lot of different options that you could change. But I do agree between what they offer and what Theta offers. I think Theta has, you know, one or two, three extra features. It's literally anything you could think of, you could change. Now, I will say this. I also used it, you know, when it comes to Theta programming features, I used the max amperage on my mini servos that I put in my 700 to get extra torque and a little bit more speed out of them. You know, so I don't yeah. know how many people would use that, but that's really the three things that I ever used the, the theta program box, okay. you know? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I do agree. It's, it's, it's got so many different options. And really, I, I think really we should just hit the, the top three and then just review like some of the extra ones that might be in your 
experience and your expertise, what else you might touch um, in your in in your setup. Yeah. So with data servos, you can change the um, the type the 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 function for for which you're going to use the servo. So heli or airplane or buggy or drift. And what that does is that changes the overall servo behavior. Um, and the dead band built into the servo. Um, so obviously you don't want to mess with that. You want to leave it in heli. You can also change uh, the the direction of function so you can reverse the servo. Um, so I want to debunk that too, like very quickly. So a lot of people set up their flabberless systems. And when you get to the swash mixing section of the transmitter or the programming for your flabberless system, they see that you know they have to reverse the servo or that servo. And for some reason, these people think that they have to reverse it in the servo because that's the proper way to do it. And that's more friendly towards the flight controller. Flight controller doesn't care. Once the flight controller initializes, it knows servo number two needs to be reversed and so be it and it's done. It makes, there's zero advantage, it's zero. There's no reason why you should reverse it on the servo. I mean, if you want, you can, but you're not gaining anything by doing that. Um, you can also change again with thetas. You can, you know, the, do the in addition to the re reverse. You can change uh, to narrow band, which is a 760. Um, there's all kinds of stuff like going from there. You know, you can change the P and the I, which is part of the control loop, and how the servo reacts. Um, you can change the current, um, the actual amount of current the servo uses, and that allows the servo to be a little bit more reactive, more responsive. Um, to the flight controller, uh, the flabberless systems, uh, uh, you know, what, what the flabberless is feeding it. So it becomes more, I get, yeah, more alive. Um, and then, you know, the list goes on and on. Stall force, stall torque. I mean, there's so many different functions. But I think when it comes to what I personally do is um, the, the, the thing that I want that I do the most is um, either change the the with thetas of course either change the current and race it up because i do notice that there is a considerable difference in how fast the servo responds to my inputs when i'm flying hard 3d mm -hmm. um and sometimes i will change it to narrow band uh mainly because i was playing a lot with the uh ever since the release of the uh uh the evil the evil you know uh v-bar evil flabberless system so obviously i wanted to try narrowband 760 and and try to try play with different hertz rates right. um i've gotten questions from people asking if the hertz need to be changed in the program no that's not a function that can be altered whether it is futaba i don't care what servo it is you cannot tell the servo you need to run at this hertz that is something that the servo is capable of doing or not capable of doing. And if it is, it'll work. And if it's not, it will not work. So if you have a servo that is only capable of going up to 333 hertz, if you set your flabberless system to 500, the servo won't simply not work. Um, but you can set it at that 333 or lower and it'll work. And you don't have to tell the servo, I'm going to run you at 100 or 200. You just simply set it at 200 and it'll work because the servo is capable of going up to 333. Most data servos are capable of up to 1,000 hertz. Um, so we're going to talk at the end of this about like uh, the advantages of going 760 and why some people like to do that. 
and also some serious recommendations because there's some really, really bad stuff that can happen when you start trying to increase the Hertz rates uh, on your flight flight controller or flyberless system. But other than that, like, like I said, the main thing I usually change when I go program the servo is I, I change the current um, and I increase it. Uh, normally the default current is like on most data is like, I, it varies on the model, but it's between two and 2.5 or something like that. And I usually bump it up to like four or five if I can. Um, obviously when you do that, the servo is going to respond better, uh, unless you're doing, unless you know what you're doing in terms of like your flying style and you have a lot of ex experience and you're a pr relatively proficient pilot, you might not notice the difference, but if you are a proficient pilot, you will notice the difference. You'll feel that the servo is reacting a little faster. It feels more locked in, but you also got to make sure that your power source to the servo, whether it is a LiPo or a BEC built into your ESC, is capable of handling all that current. Because then you can have a BEC brownout and then it's game over, right? So, um, but yeah, those are the main things that people like to change, whether it is the current to make it more reactive or reversing the servo um, or changing the band to narrow band or adjusting the trim on the servo so that they don't have to adjust the trim on their flight or, or on their flabberless system. Right. And the trim is the same thing as reversing. The flabberless system does not care if, if you trim the servo within the flabberless system itself or if you trim the servo uh, by going directly into the servo program. Um, some people will argue, well, what happens is when you when you trim the servo using the flabberless system, you're limiting your range of travel uh, in one direction, right? And you're increasing it in the other direction. Uh, yes, but at the end of the day, these servos are capable of turning well over 60 degrees. Most helicopters running on a flight controller, the servos are not going to move more than 20 to 25 degrees in each direction. So that's never going to be an issue if you sub trim or if you trim it using your flabberless system right. because again once the flabberless system boots up it initializes and to it it's zero it doesn't matter if the numbers is 47 on servo one minus 17 on servo two and plus five on servo three to it it becomes zero because that's where it initializes and it starts over so the servo physically is losing range but you'll never come anywhere near close to what that range is as you move the swash plate. So it will not affect anything. There's no reason to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, on a back in the fly bar days, that would have right. been an awesome feature to have, right? Yeah, right. But yeah, for sure. But in, in this day and age, it, it, I mean, again, some people like to do it. I know, for example, Steve Yoon loves it, and that's fine. Like, there's nothing, nothing wrong with doing it, but there's really no no reason to if you just want to make your life simple you don't even have to go there so um at the end of the day programming is really really not necessary um i think machines with flight controllers flying at 15 20 and the default of i don't know 200 to 333 hertz they fly awesome i think 99.5 percent of the population that are proficient pilots are never going to notice the difference I think uh, sub-trimming, reversing, and doing all that you can do within the flight controller. I mean, it, it is what it is. Is It's a cool feature to have. Is it necessary? 
I'm sorry, you guys know I speak my mind and I'm pretty mm -hmm. pretty straightforward with my you know, I don't dress things up, but I just think it's a cool feature to have, but it's not a necessary feature to have. But some again, some people like their servos to be set up in a certain way and hey, more power to them. And it's cool that we have the ability to make all these changes. The one I like the most is changing the current because I do feel a big difference in the response time, right? That's going to affect the longevity, durability of the servo over time. I'm not saying it's going to fail soon, but it's not going to last as long as if you left the current at default and, and things like that. Running at a very high hertz um, is going to also shorten the life of the servo. <clears throat> but again, some people think that, that's, that they can tell the difference. That Great, they can do it. So it's a really, I'm happy that we have this functionality that we did not have years ago because that shows us progress and that companies care about developing and improving um you know products in the hobby industry but it is what it is it's it's not necessary it's cool to have but it's not necessary right so that's my view on the whole thing but um but theta uh it has it makes it really easy with the program box i'm not gonna lie the nfc program you know Maybe it's because I'm an Android phone hater, and I'll admit it. I think they're great phones, but I'm not. I'm kind of a hater. I tried one, and it was too like there was too much going on with it. Um, I think a lot of those phones, because of the nature of Android, they uh, they're not as stable as, say, for instance, an iPhone. Um, and a lot of times the apps will crash or whatever. Um, but I had a lot of good luck with NFC. I was I was using NFC on a cheapo Android phone I bought um to learn the software and everything else and uh, and it worked fine but the program box in my opinion is the way to go because it's so simple you mm -hmm. stick it in your fly bag and there you go and you can you know if you ever needed to change something or fix something you could do it on the spot so and not have to worry about your phone so. i like being able to run the signal wire right so you plug your servo into the program box <laughs> and yes, then you take correct. your your signal wire into the flybrows unit into that channel Right. So even though it's not live, so you see where you're moving, let's say you're working on centering your servo arm, you know, you could actually program it and then go and actually, you know, uh, test it, right, to show where what's what the flybus unit is seeing now as the new center. Right. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I you know, yeah. some people complain about that. I'm I think it's a pretty cool feature, but I'm with you. It's like you know, if I have the time to to use it, then I'll use it and I'll have this perfect without really touching the flybars unit. But I've also done it where I use the flybars unit 100% for trimming and everything else. And the heli flies, it, for my skill level, the same, right? Um, yeah, so yeah, for sure. I think it's one of those things, you know, I think it's really for the people that really want it perfect, right? And if they have the time, then more power to them make it perfect you know and you have the opportunity now and you have the possibilities through the program box to do it i mean the the really the the futaba program box very similar you know it's got uh quite a few options <laughs> same thing like the theta servo you could go and actually change it from 760 to 1520 you could mess with the neutral position Right, so you could change, so you could uh, center your servo arms or put them in a position um, that you want them. Um, you could adjust the dead band, 
uh, you could adjust the speed um, of how the, the the servo reacts. You could adjust torque, so you could actually limit the torque in that servo. So if that servo has a thousand ounce inch torque, you could reduce it across the board to bring it within the range of other servos you might have on that flight surface. I personally think that's more for airplanes more than really helicopters. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 Um, then they have different like the soft start, which soft start really even theta has it. Um, it's really when you power on how fast those the servo arms move to center to what it thinks, you know, what it knows that the center is of the, you know, the position on the, the servo arm. You know, you could make that slower, faster. You could have it where it's like you plug it in and bam, it just jumps at you. Um, uh, so really the same type of features really that Theta has through their programming box. Um, the only difference really, I think, is they might they might name it something else to keep you guessing, you know. But they have a manual, um, full-out manual. And as always, just like with Theta Box, the Futaba program box, you have to read the servo, right, to get all the, the settings that's currently in that servo. And then when you make your changes, you have to write it back to the servo. If you don't and you just unplug it, everything that you program that you set in that session, it goes away and it's back to what it was before. Um, and you could also do like a master reset to factory settings, right? So if you get too crazy, you forget what you're doing in there, you could just reset it to factory settings and you're back from the start, you know? Yeah, same um, as, uh, same as, um, same theta. as with the theta, you can, you can yeah. reset as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know? Um, if you so, get confused and think you mess things up, you can reset yeah, it back. To just factory, reset yeah. it, right? You know, and I, I think that's the cool thing. Like, if you go out there and you want to try different things, you can. But if you, if it just, if you go in the wrong direction and you just do not like it, you could just reset it, make it simple on yourself. And I think that's what's cool about these two program boxes, right? The programming features from Futaba and Theta is you can reset it and start back from scratch fairly easy. I mean, what, three buttons, four four pushes, something like that? So that's the cool part. Um, so yeah, that's kind of really, like I said, for, for me, the Futaba program box, when I used it, it was really the neutral setup setting that I adjusted, and then I changed from, 760, from 1520 to 760. Um, yeah. So that's it. Now, the last thing, and I know, uh, Bert, you initially you wanted to get the torque program box, but because we kind of sprung this up out of nowhere, you didn't get a chance to. But that, to me, just from looking, watching videos online on YouTube and looking at the box, to me, that's the most simple program box known to man. I think it's the old school idea. Of yeah, absolutely. Yeah, two, absolutely. I mean, no yeah. it does... You know, you, you the program box allows you the torque program box allows you to change from 760 to or from 1520 to 760 and vice versa. It allows you to adjust your servo center trim, and it's compatible with most of their torque lines. I think, if not all of them, so it's really yeah. simplistic. If you, you know, don't feel comfortable with having all these options, that one is also an option. 
Um, and the, the whole servo programming boxes, they've been around for years, right? I, I don't think it's uh, it's something truly new and innovative. There have been other servos that have very simplistic, very much like a torque program box where you could adjust the servo and test it. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was when I was – sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, yeah, Gooch, but when we were – when I was – Doing DK service in the heyday, like you know, whatever six seven years ago before the COVID disaster, we I had a I had a way to plug in a servo into my computer and make a lot of changes to it. We just yeah. never commercialized it and turned it into a program box because there was really no reason to. It was a more dangerous proposition to let people mess with mm. some of those settings than it right. was useful, right? But yeah. um you know, the technology's improved and the, the graphical user interfaces have improved and, you know, there's ways to do things now that, you know, are it's much easier to produce something like that today than it was, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And and I think one of the main reasons why these things became popular is because, again, people want it to change. I think Futaba, honestly, I have to give credit to Futaba in a way because Futaba started the fad of 760. And mm -hmm. And I think that when Futaba did that, it's like everybody else started thinking, well, if Futaba has servos that can accept or run at 760 center pulse width, we need to do the same. And I guess the easiest way was just to make their servos programmable instead of selling a servo that nobody can use other than in a Futaba flabberless system. They just made them programmable. I feel like that's really what started all this, right? Then, yeah. of course, with the ability to change the center pulse width came the ability to do all these other things like reversing like some trimming like whatever stall force or whatever you call it soft start you know the control loop the torque the speed reset to defaults you know do this do that um but i think that's what really triggered you you know these manufacturers to say hey we should release we should make it easy for the end user to program the servos so that they can so now we can become competitive with futaba and allow them to use our servos on their on the Futaba flabberless system. And it's probably like to sell the writing on the wall. We're like, well, if Futaba is doing, you know, 760 center pulse width for their cyclic on a helicopter, that means that V-Bar is going to do it. That means Icon and Brain mm -hmm. are going to do it, or Bavarian Demon is going to do it, and all these other uh, flight controllers. So, um, I mean, it is awesome, and it's a great feature. Is it necessary? No. But it's like anything else, you know, you can buy Hobby Wing ESC and stick it in your helicopter and go fly. But sometimes it's nice to be able to tweak your BEC voltage and change your governor to governor store and, you know, maybe reverse it because you're an idiot and you heat shrunk the freaking wires all together. So now you have to cut your heat shrink to reverse, you know, reverse one of the three face wires going to the yep. motor. So it's easier to just plug in and reverse. Right. So. It is is kind of like that. It's a really cool feature to have. It's not an essential feature, but I'm happy that there's innovation. And I do agree with you, Gooch, that you know, torque, same as KST, is pretty much the same thing. They they have the a very simple and easy to use programming device, um, <clears throat> so people can just change exactly what they need to change, and that's it. They don't need to mess with any of these and, other advanced yep. settings. Yeah, that, that could that could cause a, a big problem, right? So, yep. Yeah. So let's yeah. let's talk. I know you 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 really wanted to hit the whole seven six because obviously, like you said, 
most of the changes that we use these program boxes was really 716 to 50 from 1520 to 760 all right so yeah, let's yeah. let's circle back and and is it really the 760 pulse width that's making the helicopter feel more locked in or is it something that the 760 pulse width allows the 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 servo to do that's actually making that that servo you know feel more like locked in so so let me think of an analogy right mm-hmm. um let me let's let's i'm not a football fan but let's talk about a football field so okay. a football field is 120 yards long right mm-hmm. um and the hash marks are based it, it okay let, let's say let me let me find the right analogy thinking about a football field let's talk about 120 yards right mm-hmm. okay so if you walk if every step you make is one yard, it's going to take you 120 steps to get mm-hmm. from one end to the other end of the field, right? Okay. Yep. That is the that is basically your your pulse on the servo, mm-hmm. right? That's yep. that's where where one end of the field is one end of the servo travel, the other end of the field is the other end of the servo travel. The center of the field is when the servo is at center. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. So what's happening here is like now you're changing that whole range and you're cutting it in half basically. So when you so go half. to 760, yeah, so when you go to 760, you don't have and again, this is all for analogies. We can get super technical and I can make drawings about this, but uh when the center pulse width gets dropped from 1520 to 760, now you don't have an entire servo uh uh football field. You have half a football field. So you only have 60 yards instead of 120 yards, right? Mm -hmm. So there is no advantage in doing that. If you actually think about it, there's a disadvantage because now you have less steps to get to to cover half the field. You're only going to, if you're, if every step you make is one yard long, then you're only going to have 60 steps instead of 120 steps, right? To cover the whole field. So in theory, you would think that you have less resolution mm-hmm. because you have less steps. And when I say steps, I'm talking about in the analogy from an analogy perspective, actual human steps. But from a servo technical perspective, a step in the servo is basically uh, a microsecond of movement, uh, as an example, um, which is what comprises the dead band of the servo. And the dead band of the servo is the accuracy of the servo, right? Yep. So in theory, when you when you drop to 760, you would think, well, crap, I'm losing my precision. My servo doesn't have as much range to make these tiny little steps and be more precise. Well, that is not true. That okay. is not true because the servos nowadays have... For the most part, I can't speak for uh, any other servo, but in the in the neighborhood of about four nanoseconds of dead band, which is 0.04 microseconds of dead band. Okay. And half of 760 before you start noticing a difference, before the servo starts to become less precise. So okay. think of the dead band as a step, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't see it with a naked eye, but as you start moving the stick, 
the the amount of precision the servo is capable of giving you based on that stick movement, um, the lower the the dead band is because now you're not now you're not so let's let's change the analogy now you're not you're not covering uh one yard for every physical step you make you're only covering like half a foot right with mm -hmm. every step you make so you still have a lot of steps to make so you you still can be very precise regardless of um the center pulse width you can go down to like i i forgot the number but in the 300 and some hertz um before you start noticing like an actual degradation of the dead band of a servo and again i'm speaking on behalf of theta because that's how theta works uh, mm -hmm. i don't know what the dead band is for futaba servo or anything else but i'm sure they're all pretty similar um but the reason why people like to do 760s because it doesn't make any difference really it doesn't change anything but what it does change is it allows the servo to run at a higher refresh rate and the refresh rate is measured in hertz so the higher the refresh rate the 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 fast the faster the servo can read an input from the flight controller, right? Mm -hmm. So think of the refresh rate as to the number of instructions per second, right? You're talking, a, you know, uh, on most old school flight controllers running at 1560 center pulse width, you know, we were running 144 hertz, 200 hertz. Um, some of them were capable or are capable of doing 333 hertz, right? But now when you drop that center pulse width from 15, 20 to 760 now you can you can increase the hertz rate on your flabberless system as long as your say servo is capable of handling that mm -hmm. and flabberless system the flabberless system i know if you talk about, i think i might be wrong on this correct me gooch think it can only go to 285 hertz 285 hertz that's correct at 760 at 760 center pulse width whereas futaba i believe can go upwards of 500 for the cyclic with the new evo and 1,000 hertz for the tail. The so Mikado, that's yeah. where the Mikado, right? Yeah, yeah. The what, what did I call it? The, Futaba. The, the Futaba is 285. The Evo sorry. could go sorry. up there. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. I meant to say the new Evo uh, Mikado uh, V bar Evo can go up to 500 on the cyclic hertz and up to 1,000 hertz on the tail. So that's where people are saying seeing the difference because now the servo is receiving more instructions um for a certain during a certain period of time so it does become more reactive mm -hmm. the 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 issue with that is like when i hear somebody tell me oh futaba feels great at 285 760 well it's not it's actually slower than running a, a brain flight controller or or icon at 1560 and 333 mm -hmm. so that's the part that i i'm really confused about when people say oh no it's Futaba, you know, 760, like, I don't understand what they mean by that. And I think it's, to be honest with you, I think it's more of a fad. And I think that there's like some plus effect or like, you know, I'll give you like, you know, uh, uh, I'll let you smoke a joint every day. And then on day 10, I'll give you, I'll give you a regular cigarette and it might taste funny, but you know, you might not you know where i'm trying to get at yeah, you know i give you i give you a glass well, of wine every day and then on day you, you see yeah it's like it's like i i honestly there is paper there's no difference um between 760 and 15 20 unless you're running a much higher refresh rate 
There is zero difference. The only difference speed, is in the refresh. Though, is that what you're saying? In Correct. Terms in of terms of speed. Yeah. And in, ter in terms of uh, precision, there is no difference either. Um, because the dead band of the servo is the same dead band of the servo, right? So it makes absolutely no difference. So what, how, what about um, how it stops though? Because I think that that's where a lot of people. Uh, let me get myself in trouble. Uh, I, a lot of people just tend to say that it, it it stops more crisp. It stops, you know, you where you point it, you shoot, you know, it's it stops where you tell it to, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know that they've necessarily said that speed felt any different as much as how it stops. It's very crisp. It's very intentional. And you know what I mean? So I think that's, that's the refresh that's, rate. That's the refresh yeah, rate. But that's re yeah, and right. when I say speed, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have, sorry, Gucci, I shouldn't have said speed. Yeah. But, you know, speed is kind of related to that same. It's all related to the same. It's how quickly the servo reacts uh, to an input, right? Mm -hmm. how 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 fast it can react to that input um how many instructions that servo is getting um for a certain period of time so you know one is getting you know uh the one that's getting 500 hertz for example is gonna feel a lot more connected to you because it's reacting faster to your inputs mm, right okay. it's, it's stopping faster it's stopping faster is is moving faster when you yank the stick, right? If you, uh, okay. you know, so like the the you know translate I mean? the translational rate, you know what I mean? Yeah, the, correct. Uh, connectivity, correct. yeah. It, uh, I got gotcha. you. Mm -hmm. I look it at might it not so be you, the actual. Yeah, go, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, so like I look at no, it no, as like you know, say you, you know you brought up football, like a football field, right? You're a quarterback, right? If you have to drop. You know, balls. You gotta drop that packet of information to that server, right? If you have a huge field, right, you're not gonna be able to refresh and keep throwing that because you have to potentially throw all the way across that field. So yeah. when you cut the field in half, yeah, now that quarterback could throw because it's not as much of a distance, right? Mm -hmm. Could throw a lot more passes because it's half the football field that he's gotta worry about. Right, so it's allowing him to send a lot more data, a lot quicker to that servo. Hey, I want you to stop. I want you to come back, you know, from the five hours unit to the servo. So that's yeah, kind of yeah. how I see it: is that you really is you're cutting the football field in half, but it's not that that is really creating the big difference here, you know, in the field. No, it's, it. it's really the fact that he, that now you could send a lot more of those data packets that that direction hey come back move you know because they don't have to throw as far you know well, so abso absolutely like you have a much more narrow uh data stream so the yep. data can travel faster to the server yep. absolutely yeah. so think think about this right one hertz is approximately 60 cycles per second okay yep. so so if you're flying at 285 hertz you got 17,100 cycles per second mm -hmm. that's 17,100 instructions per second the servo is receiving right yep that's a lot of that's a lot of data um but you but most fiberless systems can go to 333 at 1520 mm -hmm. so you at 333 at at uh, at 333 hertz actually i was i was wrong 333 is 19,980 instructions per second. 
So that's almost 20,000 uh, instructions per second. That's a lot. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it does it. So when you when you go to 285, which is Futaba at 760, that's 17,100. So you're actually slower uh, or you have less instructions per second with Futaba at 285 than you have with uh, Icon at 333, 15, 1560. So, so that's my point that doing 15, 1560, 1520, sorry, I keep saying the wrong numbers. 1520 or 760 is really irrelevant. What's relevant is what Gucci said, because you're at half the band, you have you have half the football field, to go back to the analogy, you you can throw more information. Um fast you can throw fast information at a faster rate because you have less of a field to cover, right? So this is why you can go upwards of 500 hertz on the evo on the cyclic and a thousand on the tail so i think that's what you're saying uh mm-hmm. kevin the the people say well it feels like it stops crisper and and i'm sure like if you if you peg the cyclic stick in one direction to do like TikToks or something it might feel a little bit more uh more reactive too because it's yeah. getting more information right um but so with that comes a wide array of problems right so mm-hmm. If if your helicopter is not 100% smooth, if you have high frequency vibrations that are not visible to the naked eye, but they're there, you have some sort of resonance that is in super high hertz, you cannot see it, but your fiberless system picks it up. Um, it's going to send it to the servo, and you're you 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 might experience some really weird stuff. So I don't really recommend running these high hertz rates unless you really really know what you're doing. You're really that capable of a pilot. You're gonna really be able to tell the difference in flight because you can have some serious adverse effects, and yeah, you can have a crash simply because you, you know anything that happens on that helicopter and gets transferred into that into that gyro or or the gyros is gonna be sent to the servos, and that could turn out turn out pretty ugly. And then on top of that, you're shortening the life of the servo. The servo. Checking servo temperature is important because if you're running cyclic servos at 500 hertz, that's a lot of data that you're you're trying to push towards that servo, and you might not really need that data. I mean, keep in mind that you know the human mind can only like your eyes can only see images for I think the shortest period is like 13 milliseconds. 13 mm-hmm. milliseconds. I mean, other than that, you don't know what's going on, right? So. Right. I this is why to me a lot of this is more of a a fad and a myth and like people saying things that they probably think they're they're feeling or seeing when they're really not. It, it, that's just how I how I see it. I can't tell any difference past like 200 hertz or something like that and up. I I just can't. That but that's me. And and I'm an older guy now. Maybe. Ten years ago, I could have, but I, I really don't. I don't. And mm-hmm. I've spoken with, I hate to say this because I don't want to drop people's names, but, you know, Kyle and I were having a conversation about this, and we both see eye to eye. It's like anything over, like, 333, to be honest, or even less than that, 250, we can't really, you can't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's cool to have, and we've all, like, Kyle and I have experimented with this stuff a lot, and I think I still have a helicopter running at, like, 500, but... All I really notice is the servo getting warmer than normal. Um, that's really all I noticed. I, because I, I, I played with a lot of different hertz in a lot of different settings, and it really wasn't 
anything it it again after a certain after a certain rate it's like okay like it makes no sense anymore right so it's let me ask you actually, this Bert. in theory you could run a 1520 right or 1560 at like 500 hertz you're, but, you're like me 1520 15, yeah 1520 like yeah. you could run a 1520 at like 500 hertz right but that would probably glow make that servo potentially glow because right, that right. would be a lot of energy right that it would have to exert to mm. throw along that whole football field right? yeah i don't know that it's i don't know that it's possible i, I mean think in so? terms of in terms of the data rate the capability of like our current servos and the and their ability the, their chips and their boards their ability to accept that much that that data that transfer over, rate yeah yeah, yeah. Um, at 1520, and at, that's why it, on most of them, you can only go, um, on most flabberless systems, you can only go, um, I think, I, actually, that's a good question. I, I have to research that. The servo might take it. The flabberless system is not capable of sending it. Yeah. Not, a, not a 1520. Yeah. So yeah, let, me, let sure. me ask this then. Well, it, two questions. It sounds like to me that... It, it sounds to me as if this would be by far more beneficial for the F3C guys who need that around center precision. Because while the stick is in travel, there is no difference, right? At least visibly. Maybe digitally there's, there's, there's differences, but for us mere mortals, probably not a difference. Uh, no, actually, it's when, the other way. It's the other way around, Kevin. It's the precision is is all based on that band, so that should not change by changing either the hertz rate or the the um, what do you call it the the center pulse. Mm -hmm. What changes is the the rate of um, reaction time of the servo, and again, how many instructions is getting right per per second. So it. So the servo will be overall more reactive, whether it is going back to center or leaving center or moving throughout the travel range. But maybe you're right. Maybe maybe it would feel more precise because the two are sort of connected in a way, right? Because mm -hmm. um, dead band is more related to the number of steps, whereas this is more related to the number of instructions. So I do agree with you. Like I, I, I guess where I stand I'm going corrected. with this. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I guess where I'm I'm going with this is is that at what point do you stop chasing hertz, right? Because the servo is getting warm. So in F3C flying, obviously you would hopefully not be touching the sticks as much if it's staying more locked in where it doesn't require you to make the corrections to send those packets as we're referring to. Whereas 3D, mm -hmm. we are just absolutely obliterating the helicopter the entire time. And at what point or what hertz do you get to where if you fly like a dumb dick, right, are you going to be potentially damaging your servos because they are, in fact, getting hotter because you're expecting it to do something and it's total placebo, but all you're really doing is damaging servos. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a good question. I think for most servos, um, simply because it's a proven design, 333 hertz is probably the highest that I would go 
if I want my ser- my servos to last me a long time and be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, obviously, you can't really tell for certain because I don't think there's been enough testing done. There's not there's nobody's really tested longevity of the servo running at a X rate versus an X rate, right? Or a mm-hmm. Y rate. Right. But um but you know 333 has been a pretty much a standard on most digital servos over the last like I would say five to ten years. So I would safely assume that 333 would be a safe bet. Nobody has really run servos at 500 hertz, for example, um on a helicopter for a long time i mean this whole technology is relatively new to a right. degree right and and we don't know for certain that uh i mean futaba started this what it a couple of years ago i don't remember how long ago two, um, two and, three years ago yeah yeah and they started it to the most they will do is 285 um the evo is i believe one of the first ones i think there's others doing it but it's one of the first ones that's capable of doing uh, you know, the 500 hertz on the cyclic and 1,000 on the tail. So I don't think it's been out long enough with people running it at those high high hertz rates to know what, what it's really going to do in the end. But for certain, it's going to shorten the life of the servo. It has to. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's proven that the servo runs hotter. I mean, is the servo going to last, you know, 1,000 flights instead of 3,000 or 5,000? We don't know. But certainly it has to... It has to det- has to have a detrimental effect uh, effect on the life and the lifespan of the servo, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but okay. um, but but you're you're right, Kevin. I mean, when do you stop? I don't know. For me, I stop uh, when I'm happy with how it feels. But I'm not a tinkerer, right? So everybody, I tinker for a bit to experiment with things, and then I just settle with something. But some people just like to keep tinkering. So I mean, I. There's really no answer to that. Like I know people, you know, now on the tail, the tail is a little different. I think on the tail you notice it more than on the cyclic. Right. So a tail running at 500 hertz, even a thousand hertz, um, you you definitely notice it more. But again, you got to make sure your helicopter's running smoothly. You don't have any vibrations. You know, everything is like running through and and nearly perfect because even the tape. Even the type of tape used in your flabberless system can affect things mm-hmm. um, when you're running such high rates. So, yeah, so it's all it, it's it's all a trait, right? You, you know, I, I don't know. I I'm happy with, you know, I'm flying my Evo at 1520 um, and 333. And I'm really happy with that. Uh, that's my sweet spot right there. So I'm not even doing 760 anymore. Because I, I didn't see the reason to. Because if I'm running 333, why would I want to do 760? Right. So, yeah. yeah. Whereas before, but on the Neos, I think, like, I think I made a comment on one of my videos that the default rate was 333, and I was way wrong. I think, I don't remember now because I looked it up, but and I discussed it with some of the Mikado guys. But on the Neo, I think the default rate, which could not be changed, of course, on the original Neo, um, before the the software changes and before the evil the evil hardware, I think the default rate was 144 or something like yeah, that. It was it, it was sub one. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So um, and we flew that for years and we always liked it and it was never an issue, right? And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I I still have a lot of helicopters flying Neos, and when I switch to the ones where I have the Evos running 333 15 20, uh, 20 instead of 144 15 20 
I really I can't tell the difference. I really don't go like, oh, that's right. This thing has a, a Neo in it. It doesn't fly. It's crisp. I don't I don't I don't even I don't even think about it. Like it's it's such a small uh change that it's just almost non-detectable. So Mm-hmm. But again, I'm an older guy now, so my reflexes are not the same. My eyesight is not the same. So I don't know. Maybe somebody younger than me can notice the difference, but I I can't. I I, I think I I settle right back into fifteen twenty three thirty three. I tried yeah. it, you know, on the tri blade with the Evo. I it just it showed a lot more. It, it so I look at it as like when you run that lower frequency refresh rate. It almost kind of hides some of the 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 imperfections you might have in the heli. You know, it, yeah, it dampens yeah, for sure. It, it dampens some. So, you know, like you know, I'm sure I could make 500 hertz work great, right? But then I would have to balance and you know check. It. I don't know if I really have the time for that. So, yeah, 15, I mean, you 20, can change. You, you know. can change the you can change the rate on your tail servo. Like you can set like your Evo to like seven sixty and one thousand for the tail, right? Mm-hmm. And just literally have your helicopter sitting on the bench and blow blow air with your mouth into your flabberless system. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you that you're gonna see that till the tail move a little bit. Like mm-hmm. is that uh, maybe I'm exaggerating, but, yeah. but it is extremely sensitive. You barely brush it with like any, like it's so ridiculously sensitive that you can kind of, you can see how any small problem with the helicopter would, you know, immediately um, cause problems um, mm-hmm. with tail be- to tail behavior or cyclic, depending on you know where you're riding the high hertz. So and and the yeah. tail really like I, I kind of always thought about it, and I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, the tail also spins a lot faster than the head, right? So yeah, having yeah, so having that higher frequencies probably needed more right to be able to continuously give because it's that much more. You know, faster or needs that much more correction at times. Well, right? we know it's because yeah, yeah. we went from fifteen yeah. twenty to seven sixty. You know, what ten years ago, whatever it was, yeah. and and obviously, I mean, everybody knew immediately like this was you know game changer, right? Yeah. But then, oh yeah, then, but that's yeah, yeah, because back then, Kevin, the tail servos were like running. I forgot, but it was something ridiculous, very low hertz, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, 50, when 60. they. <laughs> yeah, it was really low. So when so then the 760 center pulse width became the standard for tail servos, and then most tail servos started to handle, you know, started at 200, and then they the standard became 333, and that's been pretty much the standard for I don't know how many years, 15 right. years, 12, well maybe not that long, but yeah, it's been a long time. So yeah, and you're right. That's you know when you go from those low numbers on the tail, like you know. An analog servo is what fifty hertz, I think, mm-hmm. um, w- which is uh, what hundred and you know whatever it is, fifteen hundred instructions per second to three hundred and thirty-three. That was a huge, huge difference, and it's very noticeable in the tail, like you said, Gooch, because you, mm-hmm. you, you know, the tail is spinning faster, um, and and it also 
you have a lot less range of travel in your tail pitch slider and, and your tail blades are much smaller than your main disc. There's a lot of reasons why it works that way. But yeah, on the tail is actually a lot more noticeable for sure. For sure. On the cyclic, mm, not so sure. So yeah. <laughs> jury's out. So <laughs> I'm sure we're gonna but get again, some hate you know, mail. But that's fine. It it like if if there's if there's people listening to this and they have um you, you know some feedback as far as like you know what they've experienced and why yeah i'd love to hear it because it's uh you know it always fascinates i mean i don't doubt i mean it, there might be somebody out there that really has a genuine reason and they can tell the the difference doing this or that maneuver right i mean i don't know it it's this is a lot of this you, you know you you can look at the specs on paper and i can talk about you know what my experience is and what you know what the technology is and what it does but everybody has different experiences when it comes to the seat of the pants trying this or trying that and noticing a difference here or there mm -hmm. i for me again i can notice a slight difference but it's so minimal that you know the only way that i can notice it is if, if i start flying one of my helicopters with the evil at say 500 hertz on the cyclic and a thousand on the tail and i fly it exclusively you know, two or three or four trips to the field, and then I take one of my helis with the Neo, then I could probably tell the difference. But if I'm going back and forth in between them, like it, it, it I don't know. I just, it's just not, it's not enough to be highly noticeable, right? It's yeah. just, it's not there. Well, that's really all, you know, to me, like that kind of information is always useful, right? Because it, it it's you get a a little bit deeper understanding of what what is going on right in that servo in that flybarrels unit right so cool yeah right. sure yeah. I'm I'm team fifteen twenty seven sixty on the tail let it rock have fun there you <laughs> so, go so to there you to, go. to be able to fly old man three D I need to be fifteen twenty three thirty three mm -hmm. and seven sixty yep. at least three thirty three. And then I can fly like Bert. Yep. Okay. Nailed it. And you already you already fly better than me. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, In one category, fast. Fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One. In cast. a hurricane. That's right. In a hurricane, In no a doubt. Hurricane. Yep. Well, very cool. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys want to add to that? Do we do we miss anything? No, I think that's just a good overview of programming, what's out there, um, you know, and just uh, the whole 760-1520 battle that's been going on for the past couple of years. I do have yeah, one and last I, question. You know, Actually, okay. sorry. Yeah. Uh, what is the preferred method to do the phone up to the back of the servos or just get the program box? I'd say get the the program box only, only because um you don't have to fiddle fart with the freaking android phone yeah um so yeah, even wired, if, even wired if, connection's always better right yeah yeah and also think about uh you know in some helicopters you might not be able to tap the phone on the back of the servo once the servo is installed sure on a goblin you can or raw it sometimes is a little cumbersome to do so on the uh, the front servos, I've I've done it multiple times, but it's a little tricky because you got to go in between the motor and the servo. Sure. Um, but on, on other helicopters, you can't even do that. 
So it's easier to just unplug the servo and plug it into the program box. And yeah. it's simple and easy and it's not a big deal. So I think that's, yeah, that's probably the preferred way to do it, I would say. Now, what one thing, last thing I wanted to add is that, is that, is that and in my conclusion, and, and I'm a very poor salesman because we're distributors of Theta in the United States. But what I'm getting at is if 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 you if if anyone listening, if if you guys have a particular servo that you like and it's not programmable, don't let the lack of programmability uh, steer you away from getting that servo. I mean, uh, you don't again, you don't need to be able to program the servo. If there's a certain brand that is non-programmable, but you like it and that's what you're used to or whatever, for whatever X, Y, Z reason, you've had luck with it. You 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 read you trust in it. You like the way they feel. You like the way they look. You know whatever. Just keep getting those. Like it's not it's not a big deal. You don't have to just get the latest and greatest just because you can program it. Because there's very little you're gonna get out of programming the servo. You're gonna get a little bit of convenience to play around and tinker with things. But sometimes life's simple lives are easier right less mm -hmm. shit to deal with makes our lives easier so um i mean thank god for technology but on the other hand it's a <laughs> blessing but it's a curse as well it so sure is. Yeah. yeah so that is that is my final thoughts about the whole programmable servo deal all mm -hmm. right i guess i gotta mm -hmm. buy a program mm -hmm. box now or you could just wait until Hex and I'll bring mine. There we go. Mm -hmm. Apparently, mm -hmm. I need to buy a Goblin 500 now. No, Raw 500. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, right. Raw 500. I mean, you could buy a Goblin 500, too. Yeah. It's called the Goblin yeah. Raw 500, so you're not too far. Uh, not too far. Not too far off. I'm a hell of a salesman, too. Uh, all right. Well, if we are done, then uh, Bert... How could people get in touch with you if they wanted to? Uh, so the easiest way is to just not get a hold of me because I don't answer anything. <laughs> <laughs> hit up Sean. Yeah. No, they they can hit me up. Yeah, they can. <laughs> they can <laughs> stop. They can hit me up. Uh, the easiest way is just to go to our support site and ask for Bert, and that's support.bkhobbies.com. I okay. don't usually check Facebook messages hardly ever. Um, I log into Facebook, check a couple helicopter related things or whatever, and make a couple of posts and I log out. I don't really get roped into the whole social media thing. It's way too time consuming and I rather spend my time working or enjoying it with my loved ones or my friends. So get a hold of me through bkhobbies.com, ask for Bert, and that's how you can get a hold of me. Beautiful and stuff. I'm usually around almost every day. So, awesome. yep. Or Urcha. Urcha. Come say hi at Urcha, the BK Hobbies booth. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Come see us. Come see us. Sign up. Sign up at sabusa.com slash raw 500. Mm -hmm. And uh, sign up there. Um, we're going to spam the crap out of you. It's fine. You can unsubscribe <laughs> if you get tired of the emails. It's not the end of the world. That's the only thing we ask in exchange for entering you um, to this uh, raffle deal on Saturday where you can win, I don't know, a Hobby Wing 260 uh, with a program box to go along with it. You can win uh, Xnova Motor, uh, a Candy Co. Servo Set, 
and of course a roll 500 so yep Mm. perfect Mm -hmm. gotta be present though no long distance relationships here and if you don't make it to urcha then Mm -hmm. i'm gonna speak it into existence Bert will be at Heli Extravaganza this year. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> We're going to have to make now. a cardboard, uh, like, a live cardboard figure. cardboard cutout. Of, yep. Have yes. his hand move so we can at least have him wave. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, if we did that. <laughs> it would be, be legit. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Well, if you would like to get in touch with us here at the Heliheads Show, you can reach us at theheliheadsshow at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any questions, maybe it's about servo programming. Of course, we, we know a guy. We can definitely uh, get you in touch. Uh, if you have any show ideas, please let us know. If you'd like to be on the show, please let us know. Gooch, what else we got? Don't forget to like our Facebook, follow and subscribe to us on Podbean and iTunes. Uh, maybe some reviews on iTunes. We'll check those on the next episode. Yeah, so well, get Lou, on there. Lou has messaged a couple times, and Tanner did too, Ooh. I think. So, yeah. So, okay. thank you very much to you guys for uh, taking time to reach out to us. Yep. And I'd like nice. to. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to all the other Hellyhead Pod, Helly podcasts, and personalities out there, mm-hmm. and we'll give it back this week to Bill. We'll give him one. Give him a little. Make sure you go oh, check man. him out. Oh, yeah. man. It's some soft serve ice cream. Some soft serve ice cream. I mean, you got to get good ice cream or else it's soft a bust. Serve, soft serve sandwich. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ice cream sandwiches. It's all about Sandwiches. It. Yeah. I like it. There you go. All right. Perfect. And as always, uh, man, don't forget about your clubs that you that you go and have a good time at for a weekend. If they throw an event or maybe they're just your favorite club and you just want to help them out, throw them a few bucks, man. You know, it, it doesn't have to just be at the event. You can help them out throughout the year. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of these clubs, you know, the reason they have to do events is to help support the club and keep the doors open. You know, make it a lot easier if you were throwing them a few extra bucks. So make it happen. All right. So Gooch. You want to do some parting words? Yeah. So uh, I'll keep this one for another show, another episode. Hashtag Kraken Rum. Man, mm. I had a good time one time one and time. not again. Mm-mm-mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Nitro Life. I know Bert doesn't agree with that one, but I'm enjoying <laughs> Nitro. Uh, hashtag Heat Soaking Matters. <laughs> yep. Don't heat soak your stuff. Running at 500 hertz. Yep. There you go. Like, there you go. Heat soaking matters even on servos. How about that? Mm. Mm. Hashtag why is 60? It's not so hot, but hopefully, I think Bert sent me a little care package that I'm going to bring it back out to Urcha in my uh, raw 580 nitro. And hashtag Urcha2023. Come see us. If you see us walking around uh, the grounds, come stop and say hi. Come see us at the BK Hobbies booth. We'll be there with the whole team. Um, Hope to see you there. All right. Cholo, what you got? Hashtag red Loctite for everything. Hashtag I'm ready for the next fun fly after Urcha. Mm. Hashtag Team C squared for life, except for tonight. Yep. <laughs> and hashtag talking a can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's your new. <laughs> that's his new microphone. It's a can. 
The can with the string on it. That's right. That's right. Oh, boy. All right, Bert. What you got? Look at this. This guy has more than Cholo. Hashtag raw 500. Of course, cannot be missing. Hashtag nitro is too much work, Gucci. Hashtag <laughs> say no to 760. Hashtag <laughs> shit. anything over 333 is gay. Hashtag <laughs> urcha at the BK tent or bust. And mm, hashtag, yes. hashtag Tiny's winning B.O.B., baby. Mm. Mm. Yes. Mm. Get it. Get it tiny. Hashtag, hashtag not with the nitro. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, it should, should have been hashtag nitro's too much work, Gucci. Especially <laughs> when it's a YS. Oh, oh. It's okay. okay. You, you we go. get to see the YS. Don't oh, worry. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. All right. Here we go. We got hashtag check your credit. We got hashtag <laughs> YS parties harder. Hashtag mm. no slow S. Hashtag mm. make nitro great again. Here's looking <laughs> at you, Rotor Rage. Hashtag there's OS guys, then there's nitro guys, Bert. Mm. Then there's hashtag only OS guys use grinder. <laughs> nice. Oh my goodness. Uh, geez, I uh. had another one. Now I've totally forgotten it. Where was it? Uh, I tell you what, we're going to go with hashtag good luck to you, Tiny Diamond. We love you and we miss you. Till next time, this is episode 102 with Bert Kammer. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you, guys. Laters. See you later. Ice cream sandwiches. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gotta get some soft serve. <laughs> you got has, You should have done a hashtag the list. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna be like, why did you tell those guys? Why you tell you tell a little secret. <laughs> Good thing I didn't tell you I wanted ice cream sandwiches with M and M's in them. <laughs> you need to find like the strangest ice cream sandwich you can find, like one that tastes like spinach. <laughs> Like I got you ice cream uh, sandwiches. Oh man! Oh, there's some. This is ice cream shop by the marina, and they have the gnarliest bullshit goddamn flavors of any fucking fuck ice cream shop. Jesus Christ! That would be like a great place to take them and have them have a fucking ice cream sandwich with goddamn like flour flavor or some shit. It's <laughs> terrible. Yeah, uh, like was just drinking burnt out of everything. So, it's, so angry about ice cream fucking, flavors. <laughs> fucking banana, fucking pudding with fucking like diarrhea on top. It's so oh. bad, dude. It's like fucking the nastiest shit. I just mm. stick to my chocolate ice cream, or that's it. Done. Mm-hmm. They probably use oh, Florida. Simple. They use Florida water to make it. That's probably what it was. Mm. Yeah, it yeah. could be. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Good job. Yeah, I love Urcha. Urcha's badass. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, this is gonna be so much fun. I can't yes, wait. Yeah, dude. That's gonna be the best blooper ever, I can tell you right now. Yeah. We're gonna make a song out of it, Bert. I love Urcha. Urcha, Urcha, Urcha. Oh my gosh, dude, that'd be great. Oh Lord. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. You know you're just uh, you're you know you're just jealous. <laughs> kids. You're, je- you're just jealous. You know, jelly. dude. Yeah, you're a deserter. I yeah. Well, I actually can't go. Um, I, the wife, when she mm-hmm, gets back, mm-hmm, she has something mm-hmm, going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't go either, but I'm but, going. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. So yeah, Mitch <laughs> Booth. Mitch Booth. He actually messaged me. He's like, "Look, dude, I'll, I'll pay for your ticket." I'm like, "No, dude. It's it's not that." Like, I have a I have a voucher right now. I haven't even used for a plane ticket. I mm-hmm. just can't go. Yep. Are you coming to Hex time. or what? There you go. Oh, I can't. The wife, man. The wife. The wife. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> He's getting him. Oh, God, dude. Oh, God. Uh, shit. Actually, I do want to go. I just don't know if I can pull it off because. It's there. just too. It's yeah. just two freaking weekends, man, and like it's my anniversary, so uh, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be so tough. So the yeah. wife has a thing. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I said the wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. The wife. <laughs> yeah. We and our wives. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Dan's plan. <laughs> Dan's plan of having a bat- bachelor aerodrome is starting to sound pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. I'll go in. Man, on that'll be that'll be land. a dream. Yeah. Come on, where's the monkey? I don't know. Ah, him again. Ah. Start, we're gonna start without him here in seven minutes, right, Kevin? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> if he didn't show up, Chris, then just messages me and be like, "Don't you dare fire up your microphone." I think he. Sh- we should let him fire it up and then just give him a world of shit, and we'll have it show up on recording. Yeah. Be like, oh. He's all, he's all freaking out about Battle of the Brands. Is Jesus he? Christ. Yeah, I'm like, just go out there Why? and fly, dude. I, I, oh, I asked if he wanted to do it. He could have said no. No, he does, He wants to, but he gets nervous. I told him to do it with a nitro. He's like, oh, yep. that's a good idea. Oh, you're the one that told him to do a nitro. Nitro is freaking gay for competition. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the problem is he gets too in his own head with the electric, and it goes too fast for him. And he's like, well, calm me down to fly nitro. He's like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell him and, yeah. and just 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 cut the fuel line, be like, oh, you gotta do electric now. <laughs> like walk up and clip it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, we tried, but you know, you gotta you gotta man up now. Oh Lord. Mm-hmm. He's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You better make sure we can go to the ye old music store. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, he's because he's like, here's the priority. Here's the priority: like, guitars, ice cream sandwiches, something. <laughs> like the ice last, <laughs> the last one was the fun fly. <laughs> ice cream sandwiches. That's awesome. Oh That's fucking badass. You need to like do everything, but like slightly off. Like go to like a crappy music store, yeah, right? Find like the worst ice cream sandwiches you can find, or over freeze them. So they're like, uh, 
Well, then he then he would go on to Bill Ann's YouTube channel and be like, Charleston sucks. Somerville <laughs> sucks. They don't have ice cream sandwiches. I mean, here he goes. I mean, here, yeah. here we go. He says, remember, the priorities are guitar, soft serve ice cream, and fun fly in that order. <laughs> You're right, dude. What the fuck? I'm just fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, we love Bill. We get to actually bash on, on Oxy quite a little bit on him, so it's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. it's, it's easy. He was and, he and, said, and Devin. Well, he was like, he was like, man, you guys were rough. He goes, you guys beat the shit out of Diamante. I don't know. Somebody said something about him, like he's a washed up has been. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you remember saying that? And I was no like, way. I was yeah. like, holy right. shit. He's like, you guys are being rough. 